you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Coming up next on Huddle and Flow. Jim and Steve, I've been to governments and dealt with governments straight up where they said, yo, man, we gunned the head government, man. Gunned the head government said, you do the man, we'll put your whole family in trenches, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You complied to try to fix that situation right. in that situation. We had impending gun to the head government coming for the next four years. Yes, we are back with the Huddle and Flow podcast. I'm Steve Weich with my dude, my Howard brethren, that dude, Jim Trotter, and our producer, Thomas Warren, the HU mob. Jim, our guest today takes us back to our Howard days, right? We're sitting here rocking the, the cap spun backwards because I'm in a mood right about now. Dude, I'm so excited for this episode from this standpoint, you know, all of our guests have been great. And I, and I love listening to people who can educate us and who see the world a little differently. And not only that, have a way of filtering their thoughts in a, such a way that it's easily digestible. And Chuck D is that dude. And, you know, um, he's able to take what's happening out in the world and put it into a different context than maybe others might look at it and yet have it so relatable. So, we could have talked to him for eight hours and it wouldn't eight have been up, you know? So it's just, I was, um, you know, honored that he would come on with us and, and, and give us some of his knowledge. And, and I think, uh, um, I think you listeners will enjoy that. That's right. Everybody, Chuck D from public enemy, the hip hop legend. Think about it. Public enemy. Number one rebel without a pause. Bring the noise. Don't believe the hype. Fight the power. Shut them down. 911 is a joke in your time. Jim, I'm telling you, this is okay. So we're, we were both 80s Howard guys, right? This was the sweet spot. We had Public Enemy. We had Eric B and Rakim. We had Just Ice, Stetsasonic, like 
run DMC like Big Daddy Kane. Just think about all the parties like on the yard over GW or over Georgetown where Frank Ski was coming in and dropping all this stuff. See, Steve, and here's where I'm going to get in trouble because you know me, I'm an old soul. So I'm that R&B guy. So I'm not going to sit here and play like I was onto all of these hip hop artists and whatnot because I wasn't. It wasn't that I didn't like it or any of that. It was just that I had a, a, a lane and a groove that I was good with. And I'm that old Motown guy, you know, the R&B guy. But all I can say is that when when Chuck hit and Public Enemy hit with that social consciousness, you know, that's where you you it was almost like a magnet where you were drawn to it and you had to listen. And then it didn't hurt that he had that bass track playing, you know, and the James Brown, the, the Maceo, the Maceo yes. bass track and the, and the James Brown drum hits. Bro, it, it you know, can't trust that. It's like, you know, that bass in your face. And um, that was it for me because I always love a good bass track. So, you know, but again, just the fact that he was so and they were so socially conscious and were saying things that I wasn't hearing others say um, just drew me to what he was doing. And so anytime I had an opportunity to listen to him, um, I took advantage of it. Yeah, it went from the pop lock beats, you know, that, that a lot of a lot of rap arts, hip hop arts are putting down to. Public Enemy and Boogie Down Productions with KRS-One really putting down the social consciousness and begging black people to be more aware of what is going around them. Educate yourselves. And that's one thing that Chuck really talks about in our interview. Educate yourself. Don't Absolutely. be afraid to be brilliant. And that bullying those who want to exercise their intellect and get smarter is the wrong thing to do when we all need to have that higher level of consciousness. So, Jim, on that note, Let's bring in the one and only Chuck D. All right, Jim, we are pleased to be joined by one of our uh, hip-hop idols, one of our political idols, one of our open-minded brethren, Jim. Let's bring in Chuck D., Best known for Public Enemy, but a whole lot of other stuff, too. He's the legend, the Hall of Famer. How about that? Nah, I, I appreciate being on your show, and uh, and thank you. We had a great conversation before the show, so I <laughs> promise that this won't be boringer. No, no, it would not be boringer. <laughs> hey, hey Chuck, Chuck, here's the thing. So, so, so we're all in the same age group, right? Yes, we're sir. All, we're all 50-plus. Right. And Jim is not a hip hop dude. Jim is more like Anita Baker. No, no, don't say it like that. Yeah. No, not like that. No. Not like that. All yeah, right. I'm not putting you completely out, but you, I'm sure you're down with Chuck, Public Enemy, Flav, everybody, right? That's fine. Yeah. No, I mean, look, yeah, we're, we're, no. look, we started as DJs, so we had to play Anita Baker when she was on Electra and even on label before and all that. It's music, and so when you say that you're in the music, you're saying you're in the arts, you're saying you're in the culture. It, it's it's all good, man. Understand, hip hop is the is the embodiment of all these creativities. So when somebody that says they're a straight hip hop fan and don't know nothing else, you didn't do your research that allowed you to be a hip hop fan because the true hip hop fan knows that it's the embodiment, it's the culmination the of all those things that that have to common, you know, having what it's called in the cultural uh, retrospect anyway. So it's all good, man. It's all right. You're all right, Jim. <laughs> that California cool, right? 
Yeah, California guy. I mean, I mean you from the Bay, right? We talked about this. You from the Bay. Bay has has been putting it down culturally, athletically for for so long, you know. And but you know, like I, I, the combination we have amongst each other as black men is all good because we could talk sports, we talk music, we talk culture, and we don't have to be ashamed of what we know. Chuck, let's do this since we got so many areas we could go into. Let's try and and, and categorize it first and, and stick in that lane for a minute and then jump. And we write off the election for people who are listening. Joe Biden was declared president-elect, Kamala Harris, vice president-elect. So anyone who follows your Twitter page, I think, knows what you think about that. But for those who might not be on it, your thoughts on the election and what's transpired? Um, I thought that the United States was in a bad place worldwide. The world is bigger than the country. Um, the fact that a dude, an old dude out of New York, 75-year-old dude, pulled a New York City three-card money hack job hustler game on the rest of the United States of America was an atrocity with the rest of the world looking in and say, how did this happen? How do y'all let this happen on your watch? Every country I would go to, they'd be like, yo, dude, what, what the, how did this happen on your watch? So we make no excuses for that. Um, I do feel that in 2016, the Democratic Party got lazy as lazy as hell, privileged, entitled. So people looked at the Democrats as like, I mean, I ain't feeling them either. And therefore, what comes to the side? Oof, the whole cult of Trumpism. What mystified me about 2016, and even to some degree, 45 getting over 70 million votes this time, is the number of people who would vote against their own self-interest in an election. What does that say to you? that we would have so many people, white people in particular, voting against their self-interest and voting for, for this man. Because they didn't know the difference between self-interest and just being interested in themselves. Go deeper on that. So self-interest means that you, uh, yeah, I, I, I understand what I can do for my surroundings. Interested in yourself means I only care about myself. I don't really care about my surroundings. You got a bunch of different ideas and ideologies popping up based on the region that they at, based on the, the area. You got towns in the middle of the, of the United States of America that probably haven't changed much since 1940. And, and it's physical geographic setup. People change all the time. Mm. Why you, yeah. you, you attack, you attack, you attack uh, systemic ills and isms mm. and racism. You, you, you attack these things because these stigmas are like stains. They exist and they stay around. So you attack systematically. You, you keep going at the system of it. So that's why, uh, back to that original question, like what would make somebody vote for Donald Trump? Because they got sold the hustler game from a New Yorker. When people from New York, they knew his game. And the rest of the world's like, yo, how could this happen? We can talk about all the different geographical breakdowns. The racial thread... To all the, we can talk about self-interest in this and that, but it seemed like the racial thread ran through every little demographic of 2016 through this campaign. And to, to reinforce Jim's point, you had 70 million people still vote for him. He, he for four years he showed us on the racial, immigration, ethnicity part of things, and 70 million people were still down with that. Ask the, ask the average American, right, to name 15 countries, and that's why you got your answer. 
<laughs> but I'm just saying that that if we learn certain aspects of society, the world, geography, politics, as much as we know our 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 favorite team's stats in a barroom, we'd be a better society. Chuck, let me ask you this. You know, as was said at your your Hall of Fame induction that Stephen Biko said revolution's not an event, it's a process. And we're still dealing with the same that you talked about back in 1989 on Fight the Power. So I'm, I, I would like to hear from you, how do we get to that next step? How do we move beyond? Because we can recognize all the problems and keep talking about them, what they are. Right. But That's how do we I'm go on. to that next step? I think I, I hammered it in a nutshell, just saying that there's people who have been in our mix who are no longer here that were here in 89 or 92 or whatever, they're no longer here, man. So a baton always got to be passed and that the, that baton uh, with information and education got to come with that knowledge, wisdom and understanding and overstanding. That now you guys know from the sports world, man, it's like you don't throw a person out there on the court and expect them to just ball without mentorship. We we as black folks, man, to, to, to speak of our existence in the United States is ever going to be better with, uh, while we detach ourselves from the diaspora is, is, is a, is a cancerous breakdown. It's, it's just, you're not going to, you know, we're not going to be better if we don't connect ourselves to places that make us look more like a moving majority instead of a screaming minority. You know, I've seen you talk a lot about that, Chuck, and, I guess from my standpoint, um, they tell us that we are a more educated people today than we won thirty-one than we were thirty-one years ago when Fight the Power came out. Yeah, and, so, and, and today's society, you know, takes too many knocks at educated people, and whenever you silence intelligence, man, you in you in trouble because we have doers and we have thinkers, and the doers and the thinkers have to work together. So once you have the doers over there and the thinkers over there and they taking shots at each other on the high and the low and missing each other at that, you know, it ain't going to get better. I don't think we could no longer be beaches. The beach is something that just sits there and waits for waves to wash upon it. Change it. Yep. 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 And usually what happens is erosion. And we can't be son of beaches either. <laughs> hey, 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 on that note, on that note, since you since you queued it up beautifully, sons of beaches, but also sons of bitches was a was a term uttered at NFL athletes by the outgoing president of the United States. You saw some of the re- reaction. Of course, people piggyback off of what Colin Kaepernick uh, did and and protesting police brutality during the national anthem. Want to get your thoughts just on a on, on a couple parts here, if we can get this in here. The athletic activism that we've seen in, in 2020, but before that, your thought on Jay-Z partnering with the NFL on some projects, and you have been very critical of the National Football League. So when you saw Jay-Z and Rock Nation partnering with the NFL in any way as, as an artist, as him being a musical and artistic protege of you, not protege, but peer of yours, were you kind of like, what, what's going on here? I mean, what was kind of that thinking? 
entertainers, especially in the digital age and the mass media age, we're prisms. Or we should be prisms. I like to look at myself as a prism. I get your attention. But when the light comes, it should disperse in a whole bunch of different areas. I don't know enough about Rock Nation on how much they realize that they have to step outside of their cells and say, I got the attention. Now here's the real people or the real players that's going to play this. I understand the name. <laughs> I understand the attention that people like this, but they nod your head. But when you stop nodding your head, you got to focus and pay attention to the people who are in that lane. So Jay-Z, you know, I mean, you know that kind of, that, oh, let's, let's get somebody, let's get diversity. Uh, who do we know? Who do we know black? Uh, we can't get Sammy Davis Jr. anymore. Um, I mean, uh, you know, like uh, Al Sharpton. Oh, it's like, <laughs> Jay-Z, yeah, yeah, yeah. They got everybody nodding their head like this. Cool. You got the attention. They come to Jay-Z and Rock Nation, and the, and, the, and the thing that has to happen is that, okay, you know, I don't know nothing about sports, although I like sports. These are the people that can handle it. And you got to turn it over to the pros. That's what LeBron James does. LeBron James, he he got Maverick and them who are trained to know that stuff. You ask LeBron, LeBron said, yeah, I'm in the room, but yo, man, my boy over there is the one that spent all his time doing that job. And that's the biggest difference in LeBron James with any athlete that's happened over the last 35 years of his high caliber. He's been very quick to defer to giants and other areas, man. Past, present, and future. When people, somebody made a, somebody made a uh, uh, comparison like the LeBron James and Michael Jordan, I think I was on some show. I said, "Nah, mm-hmm. man, LeBron James don't get compared to Michael Jordan. He gets compared to Muhammad Ali." Sorry. Ali, yep. Absolutely. Yep. Ali, Absolutely. Top of the game, athlete, one of the top in the world. Takes that time, takes the hit. I like Chuck. I like Colin Kaepernick's move, um, but he would even tell you that he said I may Colin Kaepernick is like a Kurt Flood. Yeah, but let me but but Chuck answer this on Colin. My thing is for all of us who supported what he was fighting for and support what he is fighting for. All I kept hearing, even from other players, was if he's going to be the face of this, we need to hear from him. And. After his initial season in 2016, we've not heard from him publicly. And I just wonder your thought as someone who is considered a leader that people listen to, um, who is a gatekeeper of culture, um, who is an educator about what's going on in certain communities. If you have that platform and that visibility and you don't speak on it, then can you truly be considered a leader? I think so if Colin Kaepernick has the, the, deferred that leadership to to a, a group of people around him to be able to step up and talk in their lane or what their school did. I think it's if Colin Kaepernick as a younger person hit a wall, like, yo, I can't answer the question, and, and is and honest enough to say, yo, man, that's out of my league. You know what I'm saying? But, but he points to somebody who can answer those questions. You know, back in the 60s and 70s, everybody said, you know, when they got to that wall, they pointed to Harry Edwards. Who's the Harry Edwards of today? That's somebody that Colin Kaepernick could have pointed to. And uh, but but it's 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 too easy to, in hindsight to say the mistakes that they might have made, because there's going to be a, a landmine of mistakes in, 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 in these areas, especially going more into this into this century. 
because this century is unprecedented on a whole bunch of different things. So they're, they're pioneering, they're figuring out. There will be casualties. Yeah, these are, you know, I've always said athletes are, are not trained activists. And so for us to expect them to have all the answers is wrong. But I did want to ask you, what impact do you think athletes and entertainers and others of high visibility who are not trained activists can have in promoting or leading to some sort of social change? The best thing that an athlete could do is take the light uh, and the entertainer could do is take the light that they receive and divert defer to people who do real things every day in real circles, or real trenches, um, align themselves with those movements. When you look at, when people come in with a criticism of Joe Biden, I understand what they're talking about, but it also speaks to your limitations. When you start talking about a track record of somebody like 20 years ago, good, 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 whatever, or that he's 80 years old, and I'm a firm believer that there needs to be an age limit on politics 65. I'd say, yeah, boom, you got you could be in areas of of uh counsel, advice, not leadership. You know, leadership is young energy. But you know what Joe Biden's gonna do. He's gonna put a team around him because he ain't gonna have that energy to handle that. I mean that energy wore out a young jump shot shooting Obama. Maybe Kamala Harris might have that energy and gonna wear her out too. And then we have to be also mindful that in the United States right about now, seriously, and this this might be a controversial one for us. And you too, Thomas. We're good. We're good. And you too, Thomas. I think male (laughs) energy, I think male energy and dominance is over, bro. Been over. It should be. Testosterone, man, like cocaine is a dangerous drug. And all you have to do is see the track record of wars across the board, man. So I just think, I mean, it's ridiculous to say, look at a society and say, well, damn, man, all the men that up, how come 65% of the women ain't in charge? I said to my wife, this will be the last election, I believe, that we will see an old white man elected president. Uh, now, I may I be wrong, but that's what that. I said to her. No, I, I think it's changing. I, I think I, I, I expect, I'm just saying, but I, I see what you're saying, Jim. You know, I mean, with this is the realization, which even too short said men up, it's over. <laughs> if too short saying it, damn, yo, where we go from here versus what we had, black woman, I'm, I'm like optimistic versus, yo, if this dude 45 have four more years, what do I uh, see? What do uh, I see? But I'm just saying that what we had was impending fascism. Yes. Jim and Steve, I've been to governments and dealt with governments straight up where they said, yo, man, we gunned the head government, man. Gunned the head government said, you do the man, we'll put your whole family in trenches. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You complied to try to fix that situation right. in that situation. Um, we had impending gun to the head government coming for the next four years. Yes, we did. And that's what I'm saying, that the conversation to somebody in the middle of, uh, of Missouri and Arkansas, you can't even build up enough facts on on somebody who's not fit because they already got it tuned out that nothing's going to work for them except for something that appeases to them. And what that 45 did was appease to them, but with no substance. He had nothing. It was it was like it's it's snake oil. It's it's like, yo, man, 
I'm gonna give y'all, yo, black people, I got half a trillion dollars for y'all. No, you wait, 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 hold, wait, hold, hold up, yeah, Chuck. Yeah. On, hey, hey, hold up. Stop right there. Hey, Ask hey, him, Jim. Jim, they yeah. ain't been to New York. No, New York, I, I get it. Somebody dangling a trillion dollars. For no, 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 no. But hang on. But we're gonna talk a half billion. We're gonna talk about your boy. Ice Cube and what he yep. got himself into. You ain't never gonna get me to say anything wrong on Cube. Cube's like no, my. No, we're not asking you. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. Cube, I know Cube. Listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna nip the Cube thing in the bud, man. Cube cares. He's concerned. If Cube didn't care and concern, he would just make white movies and just count his money and disappear. He had what was in him that said, "I'm tired of the okie joke or the Democrats who playing us and the Republicans who playing us." My difference is like the Democrats are playing you and the Republicans hate you. No, but Chuck, my question is talking about those people who say they hate you, your life don't matter. Can you work with them? I mean, and now you got Biden talking about we got to come together. How do you come together with the people that tell you your life does not matter? Your life does not matter. You got to you. We got the job of just collecting amongst ourselves. Number one, that's a job in itself, just to knock down the micro differences in us as a people. If we're looked upon as an outside demographic, then we have to do our best to be like, you know what? I just don't like you, but you know, I gotta, you know, you, you could be family, and you, you, I, mean, I gotta figure out how to, how how we work together in that, and that's just the struggle, man. Well, I don't mind you not liking me, but I do have a problem with you trying to incarcerate me or trying to kill me. Of course. Right. I mean, they're all just straight out hating you for no reason at all. Hate me all you want. I don't I don't like I don't what what I didn't like over the last 20 years. Black people's imagery thrown around like, yeah, it's a diverse look on black folks. But our dysfunctionality that's out there is building animosity of people that don't know us, man. You got people that swear they know black people never met black people. I, I grew go, up right? in, in those areas. I, exactly. I could drive you all around, man, right. just in Missouri and places and like this. A black soul. <laughs> That's why I, I don't detach us from the diaspora. We have to take ourselves out of the mentality of, of a fighting minority into being like a majority that's connected. Hey, Chuck, let me ask you this. When we talk about athlete activism. So in 2016, when Cap did not stand for the national anthem to protest police brutality, a whole lot of athletes didn't they just let him sing solo, so to speak, right? And so now, in the summer of we're all home because of the pandemic, we have Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. You have a lot of – it seems widespread. You have the leagues getting behind them, Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NFL, getting behind the activism. Do you think the shift, so to speak – is authentic because a lot of people Jim and I talk about have patted themselves on the back for opening up opportunities for people to speak their mind. Come on, man. You're going to play the black national anthem before a game. One, on. two, what does year, that do? two years what after does that do? you voted unanimously to keep the players from demonstrating during the anthem. Have we really become that enlightened that quickly? Yeah, 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 yeah. that's what I'm saying. It's not authentic. It ain't even authentic to all the black players in the league, what they believe. The NBA is like, okay, you want to talk about, you know, Black Lives Matter. You want to grow, you want to have these people play, but also they, they got to be also socially ready. And socially ready in the NBA or NFL, Major League Baseball, that's 30. <laughs> you got to be 30. 
50 years ago when you had those the picture of Jim Brown, Kareem, Lou Alcindor at the time, mm-hmm. Bill Russell, all those people in the room were under 40. Dr. Martin Luther King and Malcolm X was killed at 39. 22 is a different 22 then. So then I think it's been a raising of consciousness. I think around 2006, 2005, it, it, it reached a point where it was like, man, I ain't got to know about that. I ain't trying to be all that. I'm just trying to get this bag, yo. But but I, I guess, doesn't that make it interesting now, talking about coming full circle, look to where we are today and how much power a LeBron James, a Chris Paul, the other members of the union have in terms of, you could, you could make the case. They run the NBA. I would, like not? Have, I would like to have more people, like, for example, how LeBron deferred to Maverick Carter. The, the, if there's more Rich Pauls and Maverick Carter speaking up, because you know they hate them. Right. The, the, whole, the whole sports world hates them. I like to see a, a strong coalition of, of, of mind trust behind the ballplayers so they could just do their thing. We don't know Is enough a- about those guys. We know about Maverick Carter and Rich Paul because of who? LeBron James. He makes right. the point of that. But all those white agents, remember we used to always hear about the white agents back in the day? It's like they were yeah. just like, they was as big as the players, if not bigger. What was, what was um, Jordan's uh, agent? What was his name? David, David Falk. Falk. We know it's like that. I say, damn, how many players? I said, David Falk got a plantation. He had them all back then. When I covered the NBA, Patrick Ewing, MJ, Alonzo Moore, he had all those guys. And nobody said nothing about him having too much of of being outspoken. No, but now they're coming after Rich Paul because they're saying LeBron is helping him siphon off players from white agents. It's interesting Um, how the whole thing works. uh, 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 Translation is... You getting too much exactly. Of your britches. <laughs> that's, that's, you getting a little bit beyond yourself. That's the thing that they can't handle in the media because then you got a whole bunch. Well, why it got to be about race? Like some people coming up to me and telling me about the Kamala Harris thing, and, and you always need a wise ass answer if you are quote unquote intellectual. Not saying that we are, but we could play that in the white world when somebody comes and says, "Well, why has it got to be about race?" I said, well, talk about Kamala Harris in the presidential race. <laughs> you can't avoid that. <laughs> which, which, which brings out the, the, the response of, like, smart ass. You, it, it, well, it's funny you say that, and I know we're getting long, so we'll have to do some editing, but you saw that Amazon commercial about the black ballerina who during this time of COVID, she had finally become the principal dancer in the, in the, in the um, show they were going to have. COVID hits, the show gets canceled. They end up coming up with a way for her to do her thing in, 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 in her home there. So anyway, I, I remember I went on Twitter and said something about, man, I got to be honest, I got a little misty watching that. You know, mm-hmm. it was just so beautifully done and whatnot. And watching this Black Ballerina, or I called it the Black Ballerina commercial. Mm-hmm. So dude came at me on Twitter and said, why you got to make it about race? And, and I, you know... And I thought about it, I could really be a smart ass or whatever. And I just said to him, you know, just do your homework first on the treatment of young black girls and women who were in the ballet and how they were prevented from becoming the principal dancer simply because they were told their bodies didn't fit the type. Right. Never heard from them after that. No, that's it. So when these people say, why do you make it about race? I'm like, do you know your history? 
or do you that's know why, the history? Well, well, that's why with 280 truncated characters, the only thing that that's left is an intellectual smart ass response <laughs> to shut people up. But here's another thing: I'll leave leave a note on this. So like, I felt Van Jones when he shed a tear that day. I'm not going to talk about other times because I think when Van Jones was talking about his kids and as black kids, you come up in a society where everything got to be like, everything got to be like out chest and out front. And you got some kids who, who, who are quiet, they shy. Um, they just trying to figure out whatever. And if they take an intellectual route, you know, they're taking that punk ass route. And I, I felt when he said that seeing something in society that's different or maybe looking forward as opposed to boisterous, stupid yelling all over the place to, to prove that you're going to be the alpha at the end of the day. I felt that because I'd be damned if I'm going to have somebody just that, you know, that's quiet and shy to be bullied on some that they can't be quiet and shy and go about their life. Somebody got to fight for the brainiacs. Somebody got to fight for the, the intellectuals, the quiet kids, the shy kids. To see them bullied, some bullshit, man. And so I need to speak to that. And I hate and I hated the four years of bullyism that went on, man. Oh. So I wanna so I wanna kind of combine some of the things you said here. We talk about you young leadership, women, what you just said, speaking for the meek or the disenfranchised. Your thoughts on leaders like AOC, Stacey Abrams, um, Keisha, uh, I'm blank on the last Keisha, name. Keisha Lance Bottoms. Keisha, Keisha Lance, Lance Bottoms. Bottoms Major Lance, a great, a Major great Lance Bottoms, great musician. Yeah, great musician now in Chicago. Keisha Lance Bottoms, the daughter of that person, and she's the mayor of the ATL Atlanta. Uh, all those organizations, I salute. All those movements led by women, I salute. My sister was out there in the field, you know, working for for the Stacey Abrams plan of getting voters up. My mom's adores the fact that Kamala Harris is vice president. Anybody that just want to come at me at that, I'm like saying, these people straight up, they have dictated my point of view even further. And if you don't like it, I, I got plenty of expletives to hurl at you high volume because there's no way in your life you're going to be louder than me. <laughs> no you way. Hey, you know what? No way. I'm blessed the by the loud voice of my father and I, I, I'll yell anybody. The beauty of that too, though, is that when you first got started in this, you wanted to be behind the scenes. I always you know? want to be behind the scenes. I want to yeah. be behind the scenes right now. I think I, I'm my face is on too many things as it is. I'm a behind the scenes person. Matter of fact, I'm quiet. I'd rather do more listening than talking any day and give notes here and there. But I'm accountable and I'm responsible when I'm asked, then I answer to the call. And I'm sorry I'm a couple of weeks late on getting back to you guys, but my, my table, my desk was full. So CC was kicking oh, no, my man. ass. And it's like, yo, you gave you gave hours to your rapper friend to give, you know, give the brother <laughs> some love. But to attest to you being quiet, and we were talking about this before we went on air. Back in 1987, it was the summer of 1987, I was interning at WNYC TV up in New York mm -hmm. with VJ Ralph McDaniel, Lionel Martin, the big Lionel kid. Lionel Martin, big kid, yeah. And later, later on, Tuffy. Toughy, yeah, later Tuffy. On, yeah. Are, so, and we were at the Latin Quarter. I don't know if it was an album release party, but we were doing a bunch of stuff. It was Stetsasonic. It was Stetsasonic, 
you and Flav and a couple people, and you were like the only dude in there who wasn't talking. I forget my man from Stethosonic with the high top fade. Dark you talking about my, my man, my man, my, my, my brother, Daddy-O. Daddy-O, right? He was barking. He was barking. Bunch of dudes were barking. And you were just kind of sitting there like, I'm just going to sit here and watch all these guys and let them let them lead the way. Yeah, I'm, so I'm a listener. Cool. I like to listen. I like to listen and I like to watch. And I, I like to do my art. I do my art and and inside my art, you know, it's something that always, something inside me comes out. That's it. That's it. I don't need to be no more. I don't. I have no plans to be more famous or more infamous. I try not to be infamous because infamous, like, look, I'll, I'll give it to you like this way. When I was 16 years old, right, Bruce Jenner had just won the decathlon in Montreal Olympics. Bill Cosby filled in for Johnny Carson and already was Chet Kincaid and also the Fat Albert always on TV. And O.J. Simpson was running touchdowns for the Buffalo Bills and and also flying through airports for Hertz. Did you ever think that they would get more infamous? There you go. We knew they couldn't get more famous. (laughs) They got more infamous. I'm not trying to get infamous in my remaining days. I ain't trying to get more famous either. Okay, so on that, on that, Jim, let's, button, let's, let's get him with this because we saved this part for last. Uh-oh. 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 You're a and, Jets fan, bro. I'm come not. On, I, I, I don't come from the days where cats flip teams. I stay with my team, man. Okay. And, and, my, team, and my, my team majorly sucks because we could have picked up Colin Kaepernick, and we didn't because that's when I found out my team had to be racist because picking Colin Kaepernick would have been better than who we had at quarterback any of the last 15 years how could you not try this dude uh, out there were there were 31 other teams uh chuck how could, how could the either? not try i mean for public for public relations in new york city alone with his millions of black folks how are you gonna go wrong saying we're gonna try we're gonna put colin kaepernick on the bench as many black see that's the underrated thing they don't know how many black people in new york or from new york that have been like all right I feel that we losing, but I feel that. So yeah, I'm a Jets fan, but you know, I mean, that's just what it is. I mean, I, I've been a fan of them since the '60s, since the AFL days. But that's why I think people also still have this mistrust about the NFL, even as it now says it stands behind its players. Why it now is doing things and putting up hashtags and committing money to the players coalition and all of that. Adam Silver kicked them out of. The NFL's ass because mm. they they fumbled the NFL badly, and you know what? They could come up with all the stats like it's the most watched, the most lucrative game ever. It's like bad haircut, man. How does it get over that? Hell, if I know, <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't in Rock Nation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's their problem to figure that out. Oh. That Listen, was so gotta, good. I think you just dropped the mic, Chuck. It's over. It's over. So that's what hey, I do. You, you know, when you, you drop the president mic. drop the president could drop the mic like like Obama, because he's always on the mic, but rappers could drop the mic too. The problem is they hold on it too long. There you yeah. go. Well, well, Chuck, we gotta thank you. I mean, your knowledge, um, your insight, your hey, comments. The pleasure too. We gotta give Thomas, you know, thanks Yeah, we gotta give Thomas a producer. 
Hey, but Chuck, one thing I think one thing Jim and I really appreciate you you saying here is your uplifting of women of color. I mean, it's it is it is the important. Jim's got daughters. Yeah. I've got three sons who I try to read to recognize your women of color. And you understand, my daughter, you, my, my daughter runs my company. She's thirty-two. I've run late because I have another interview, and she's screaming at me. On the phone at thirty-two, and she's you know she's f. Uh, she's a HBCU, you know, not Howard, but Clark, and and also Matt. Right on, family. All right, nice. all right, Chuck, right. man, much love for real. Much well, love, respect. All right, man, and I'll catch up on the outside. In, invite me on any time. It won't be within this hundred twenty-five interviews in seventy <laughs> days time. Because I'm trying to tell you, uh, I'm pulling the lever on that, man. Come January, you Good smart you. man. Yeah. Now we appreciate you. you sincerely, man. Thank, Thank you. you. Much love. Thank you. Much love to y'all, too. We promised that you guys would enjoy uh, that discussion with Chuck D. And as I said, for me, it it wasn't enough. You know, it's kind of like I feel like we got the appetizer and we never got to the entree, Um, you know, because Chuck talks about being able to listen, sit back and listen. And he's a little older than us, not much. So no disrespect. Uh, but I could sit back and listen to his view of the world, having, you know, him being a world traveler, having been to so many places, seeing what life is really about outside of, of the U.S. Um, I just find the dude fascinating, you know, to be to be candid and people like him. Again, I just feel I can learn so much from. So, Steve, um, I enjoyed it. It's been a good week, man. I, I love the fact that you just brought it up, you know, the international travel, you know, the fact that he said he's been, what, to 160 countries or something like that, and how people view the United States. And I don't think domestically we take that into account. A lot of people may not care, right? But, you know, as someone who's traveled myself, I'm married to somebody from another country. Um, it, it's all those conversations are so healthy, you know, so it helps you take a look at yourself like, wow, we're leading the world. Like everybody – and if you're behaving in a certain way, then I want to, what's going wrong or should we do that? And, and it's very interesting. But what I really loved about what Chuck said, and, and Jim, you know, we talked about it a little bit in the interview, was the amplification of the wisdom of women leaders. And it mm. is time for this country. Look, as someone who's raising my mother, I always say she made much better decisions than I did. So there's my respect. My wife runs my household when it comes to decisions because she's much smarter than me and, and looking at more of a, a global view when it comes to our household. And, and I just love the fact that it is time for us to amplify. Yeah, no question. And, and I want to clarify something I, I said during our, our discussion where I said, I don't think we'll ever see an old white male as president again. I meant that more specifically from the Democratic Party, because I think there is such an infusion of young, progressive men and women in this party that I can't see them being willing to accept that going forward. So in many ways, I, I, it, it's going to be fascinating um, when we can go a decade or two and then look back on what's transpired. But I really believe, you know, and I've said this to you before, you know, having two daughters, males have, <laughs> we've tried the whole male thing for centuries. Um, I think it's time for, for something else here. And I'm all about having a, you know, to get to that day where we have a, a female um president of the United States. I have no issues with that whatsoever. Yeah. So many other positions too. I mean, you know, absolutely. We had, you know, women secretary of state with Hillary Clinton and whatnot, but just so many other leadership positions that we're finding are, are just so necessary, even on a local level. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm choosing my words here carefully because I know that we're we're a um, family show. So I can't say some of the things I really want to say as bluntly as I want to say them. But um, yeah, men, we've messed up a lot of things. So uh, for us to think we have all the answers, no, we don't. And and it's okay to try something new. Speaking, speaking of like saying stuff bluntly, I'm sure our producer, Thomas Warren, was hitting the beat button, hitting the edit button real Ooh. hard in that yeah. interview because there, there was a whole lot of people so Thomas real real big props to you on that one because you there was some people think it was a roadrunner show with all the beep beeps <laughs> that we had dropping it but that's all right that's how we do all right Jim yeah. so as we get out of here in in paying an homage to public enemy we are going to tackle some NFL subjects based on the names of some great public enemy hits it's of course one of the most popular hits don't believe the hype. And that is which team right now that's kind of rolling is on thin ice. So I would say thin ice, but has a, has a tough road to hoe the back half of the season. You know, for me right now, Steve, I got to say the Indianapolis Colts from this standpoint. Um, Phillip Rivers, a quarterback they brought in after 16 years with the Chargers. You look at the Colts this year in each of their three losses he has been on the negative side in terms of um, turnover differential. And so I need to see him step up in these big games. And tonight, facing the Titans, um, that's going to, I think, be somewhat of an indicator of where the Colts go from here. But I just can't buy into the Colts until I see improved quarterback play. You know, Jim, I'm glad you said that because I'm staying in the division and I'm going with the division leader right now, the Tennessee Titans. And I, and I hate saying because I, I love the Titans, right? I love the way they play. Tannehill's are fine. They run the ball. They're physical. They've overcome a lot like the COVID outbreak. Um, but their schedule, man, and which includes the, the Thursday night game against the Colts and another game against the Colts, I believe, in, in two games from now. Um, but their schedule the rest of the way is no joke. So if they get to the playoffs, it'll be like last year where they've really earned it. And the fact that they've played so many nail biters, right? They've had to be so clutch at the end of games. That's going to be very interesting. Okay, so now let's go to the fight the power segment. And that's kind of a team that's on the playoff fringe, right? They could be on that back end, that six or seven spot, or just right outside that we think showing us some things where they can rally and possibly get into the postseason. I'm going to go with the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, you look at what they're doing, okay. they, the adversity they've had to deal with this year with all of the COVID mess, and yet they keep finding ways to stay together, to keep winning. They're a young team, and I believe they're on the rise, and their quarterback is playing as well as anyone right now, you know, in, uh, in, in, in Derek Carr. So for me, I'm going to say the Las Vegas Raiders. I am actually going to go to the Cleveland Browns. Okay, they're 5-3 and three right now. Um, they played some pretty good football. We know the talent is there, but Jim, of their remaining eight games, five of them are against the Jets, the Giants, the Jags, the Eagles, and Texans. There is no reason why this should not be a 10-win team. If they win another game and get to 11, they're going to be in the hunt for the division title, which is crazy with seeing that the Steelers and Ravens are there. But I think that's at least good enough to get them into the playoffs, 10 to 11 wins. Did you did you mention them? Division title, Steve. No, but I mean, look, they're going to have to beat one of those teams to kind of get to 11 wins. They're going to have to beat the Ravens or the Steelers. But I, I don't think it's going to happen. But because those two teams to me just seem a cut above. Yeah, a cut point. above. Right. Yeah. At this and point, remember, the Raiders, the, the Raiders beat the Browns head to head. So if right? those teams were to finish tied, 
uh, the Raiders would have the advantage there. But no, I agree with you. I love what the Browns are doing. I love what, what Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski are doing with that franchise. All right, Jim, next one. Welcome to the Terradome. Okay, this is a team now, some teams that are, that are rolling, that, that look great now, that we think are just going to continue to keep their elite status in the league. Uh, there's too many, Steve, to talk about under that category. You know, I think Pittsburgh obviously is that team. You can look at Kansas City, the defending Super Bowl champion. You can talk about the Saints down in the, the NFC South. Um, there are a handful at least that I believe and I think you believe will be there no matter what at the end. And, and right now, if I had to pick one, I would obviously say the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jim, I'm, I'm going to go with the Saints. You know, we'll talk about the Terror Dome. They play in, the, in, a, in a Terror Dome when there are fans in there. It hasn't been great to them necessarily this year, but they're getting Michael Thomas back healthy. We saw for the first time last week their energy actually look correct. So maybe they're just kind of hitting their stride. I, I think the Saints are getting ready to really hit a different gear. Real quick, a couple degrees of separation. So you said the Steelers were, well, you're welcome to the Terror Dome team. So let's connect it to public enemy. Don't believe the hype from Do the Right Thing. Bill Nunn Jr. was Radio Raheem. And who helped build the great Steelers dynasty who's going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2021, Jim? We got to hope he's going in, Steve. We got one more step to go. That's true. We got one more step. So I'm, I'm, my fingers are crossed, my toes are crossed that Bill Nunn will go into the Hall of Fame and become the first contributor um, of color in Pro Football Hall of Fame history. So he's more than deserving. He was a central figure in, in building that Steelers dynasty of the 1970s with his relationship with the HBCUs and the talent at those schools. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping. I'm, you know how I feel about that one. Right, right. You've been pushing for it for years, and thank God your voice has been in that room pushing for it because he's one of the greatest procurers of talent the NFL has ever seen. All right, so now we're going to go to a Flava Flav lead track. I can't do nothing for you, man. That is a team that has been – Pretty much garbage the first half of the season and is kind of on a downhill slope to the dumpster, to the to the waste site for the rest of the season. Jim, who is leading the pack for that first overall pick? You know, I, at first I thought this was a trick question because in my <laughs> mind there's only one team that we can talk about here, and that's no, the New York Jets. As, They're as, there, but as Chuck D talked about, you know, that's his team. He grew up with and whatnot, but a dumpster fire is a dumpster fire. And the New York Jets are a dumpster fire. And the reason, it, being completely transparent here, one reason I would love for the Jets to get the number one pick is just to see how they handle the situation if a Trevor Lawrence were to come out in the draft, how do they go about deciding how they want to build that franchise or rebuild that franchise? And then what other dominoes start to fall if they do decide to move a Sam Darnold and how that impacts other clubs, particularly some elite clubs who might be in the market for a quarterback, what would they be willing to do? So without getting too far ahead of ourselves, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit here and say, the New York Jets, the league's only winless team. Jim, I'm going to take a team that's not the Jets, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars, man. I watched them play like, what do you have going on here? Their quarterback situation is all jacked up. You know, you know Doug Marone is not going to be there when, when the season ends. You know, David Caldwell, their GM, is probably going to be gone. It's going to be like, 
you know, the eighth or ninth time in the past 10 years are going to be picking in the top 10. Um, just something tells me they're going to, they're going to be in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. You're going to have a new GM and head coach making the pick. So I, you know what, we're going to go right now. Nine one one is a joke in your town. And that's, I'm going out of Jacksonville Jaguars for that, Jim. <laughs> no, I'm going to stay with the Jets. Can you see the New York media dealing with, with the Jets having the number one pick and, and. Oh, it'd be let- so great. But look, Jim, this has been just an absolutely special episode. We've had a great run of guests. We're going to continue this, you know, from Thomas Dimitrov to Arthur Blank to Chuck D to just getting all these fantastic conversations, football-related, non-football-related. So appreciate everything you do and, and bringing out the best in our guests, asking questions to make them dig a little deeper into their consciousness and to their non-political, um, diplomatic way of answering questions. Um and just, you know, just really appreciate you really appreciate Thomas Warren doing this thing. We don't give him um, enough credit and love for the way he's, he's put together these shows that we do with these great guests. So, Jim, just again, it's just awesome being able to have this platform, doing it with you two, my, my Howard mob. And on that note, man, bring this home. No, thank you. It's been Steve. Uh, you know my feelings about both of you. So this has been tremendous. It's been a great week. And so, again, we say to uh, you all. Subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, leave your comments so that we can give you more of what you're funkin' what for. What you're funkin' for. And on that note, Thomas Warren, Jim Trotter, we're going to shut them down. <laughs> I don't do podcast and we are out.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 